fucking year. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope the first words on the podcast are, this is going to be a long fucking year. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that starts before the podcast starts. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. And I'm Paul, who clearly needs to look when Frank has clicked the live button before no, I start my statements. It's good. We were talking about the Amazon um, smart device and the names that it responds to, and uh, we were talking about wwe and professional wrestling we're actually and... talking about the glamazon before we're talking about the amazon device that's, so, that yeah. wow well done thank well you done. uh we will get there as well as um many other things but uh the agency has been free gentlemen free the agency hashtag uh and the agency has been employed uh the bills and signed a bunch of guys and then they got to announce that they signed a bunch of guys because <laughs> we just sort of don't even care about Legal when tampering the starts. It's literally the, biggest, the best oxymoron ever. Yep. Just was... about. Just about. It, I remember there was a sign in my in a neighborhood that was like no trespassing 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., which made me think that trespassing from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. was okay. And <laughs> right. That, 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 the, that would be what one would call the legal trespassing period. <laughs> exactly. The legal trespassing period. Um, so the Buffalo Bills have made a lot of signings. They made a couple of near signings. They made a, a near trade. Um, there is lots of things going on. I would like to start with the one that got away because I feel like I almost wanted to do a podcast about um, AB uh, and then we didn't. And he's not on the on Paul's list. Paul right. has a wonderful list of everybody else. But uh, I mean, I woke up and had seen that Antonio Brian, uh, Bryant was coming. And by the time I sat down at my computer and put on the radio, uh, it was already over. Apparently, it was over much before then. But what I was seeing online had not caught up to what had actually happened. Uh, and I had since texted Paul and Scott going, oh, we're getting Antonio Bryant. And then had to go, no, no, we're not. And, you know, that you guys were already in the in the in the mode. There was a lot of um, well, hashtag we didn't want him anyway. Hashtag he didn't want to come to Buffalo uh, X, Y, Z. But what has been confirmed is they did they did have a go at trying to, to sign him. Scott we will go to Scott first because uh, he has the most opinions on loudmouth wide receivers and um, uh, possible troublemakers. They, they did have a go at trying to sign an elite, perhaps the best wide receiver in the game. They were probably ready to pay him as well as trade for him. Uh, they didn't get him. What did you make of that six hours or 36 minutes or however long it was for you? Do you mind? Sorry, I was. Oh, no, you're back. I, yes, I am back. And I didn't and, know. Uh, you were, I did, but I wasn't there when you asked the question. Oh, the question. Was, Sorry. The, how did I feel about Anthony, Anthony Brown? Who's yeah, sure. A, <laughs> or even Antonio, but we or can talk Anthony about Anthony Brown. as well. Yeah. See, when I had to sign off again, I lost the name, so I don't know who the name is. That we're yeah, talking. no, we're talking about Antonio <laughs> Brown, and I had basically prefaced it by saying, what a great podcast this is. Also, um, that, you know, you are the one most likely to have an opinion on a, you know, troubled wide receiver. I had mentioned the, the uh, you know, there was the rumors he didn't want to come to Buffalo. He didn't want to you know, the good riddance to him. Anyway, basically you tell me what you made of that 36 I, minute. Yeah. That was an interesting, that was an interesting couple hours because I had, uh, uh for me, it was about two minutes between the texts I think that I saw. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was interesting. I am, I think the only way it really makes sense is in context of the other moves. 
um, for me because like on some, so there's two. So the easiest one is he didn't want to come here. So there's not much we could do about it. And the question is, did he not want to come here because we weren't going to pay him enough or did he not want to come here period? And I think we know it's at least one of those two. I think they've been, you know, uh, Bean obviously has been putting out there that people want to come here. And, you know, there's obviously been plenty of people saying that Brown didn't want to come here. So clearly there's a little bit of tension in those two stories. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't know that we're really going to know. So I would say I'm pleased that we made a run at him. I think, however, um, we maybe needed to do a better job. Like I understand, like on some level, you have to, you have to really like sell out when you're making these big free agent moves, and it didn't sound like we did that. Like we didn't have, you know, you know, whoever it would be, you know, Kim Pagula get on the plane mm-hmm. and go down to go down to wherever Antonio Brown is and say, Antonio, we want you to be the you know, the face of the franchise, we're going to make you the highest paid receiver in the league, whatever the answer needed to be to get him. That clearly didn't happen. And if we want to say we didn't need to do that, that's fine. Um, but then I don't think that signing Josh Brown, like the money thing to me is not really an answer because it shouldn't be Josh Brown and Cole Beasley is basically Antonio Brown in terms of the money. So it's the money shouldn't have been a thing. The compensation from what I understand, I mean, what the Raiders ended up giving up for him was not that much. Peanuts. If you want to compare compare it to the Beckham deal, the Beckham deal gave me pause. I'm like, I'm not sure I would have traded a first and a third and a starter for Odell Beckham. That's a lot. He's a very good wide receiver as well. It's those are the two probably best in the league. But at the same time, I don't I don't know that if the compensation was there like it was for Brown, I'm not sure I wouldn't have gone and found the money like we did obviously for Beasley and, and Josh Brown. Yeah, Paul, do you, I, yeah, please jump yeah, in here. Yeah, this is a many layered issue. And first, you know, props to Scott, who on our podcast last month had first brought up seriously the idea of Antonio Brown is worth a run out for the Bills, and here's why. So obviously, Brandon Bean was listening to the podcast and heard Scott's opinion, thought, okay, yeah, that's that's what we're going to try now that he is <clears throat> available. I think I'm I'm okay with how this ended up, I because. We're not, as Scott pointed out, we're not sure why it didn't get, why the deal didn't get closed. I, I personally don't think it was, it was money. I feel like the Bills would have been willing to not only accept his contract, but raise it and give him some guaranteed money yeah. up front. Because we've seen them give a lot of guaranteed money up front to lesser receivers, lesser players and lesser receivers um, in the, in the recent weeks. I wonder, you know, was the draft compensation more than Bean was willing to give up? I agree, Scott. I didn't think it was all that much to do, uh, you know, based on what the Raiders gave up for him. I think the Bills should have been willing to do that. But that said, I don't want to judge Bean too hard here because, we, again, we're not in the room. Maybe Antonio is pouting, saying, I'll never play in Buffalo. Or maybe his attitude about it when, you know, when he was approached by the Steelers about the trade was crappy and that got back to Bean. All sorts of things could have gone on. So I'm... I'm going to take the very basic opinion that that Scott had expressed and others have expressed. I think Bean did a great move, not just doing his due diligence here, but taking the extra steps to make the call to get it close enough to a trade that people were telling Ian Rappaport that it was pretty much going to be a done deal and that Brown was coming to Buffalo, that my nephew was texting my wife at 7.15 in the morning saying, congratulate Paul for me. 
that's, you know, Antonio's going to Buffalo and then finding out through Frank's text a few minutes later that it wasn't the case. So I'm glad he did that. I'm glad the run was made. At the same time, I think the Bills can be successful without Antonio Brown. So I'm I'm somewhat disappointed it didn't work out. It doesn't kill my opinion of of Bean or what he's done this offseason. Yeah, for some people it was a a um <clears throat> Uh, a good moment that they had they had tried to get him right. I mean, they were sort of uh, happy that he uh, took a run at him, and I think that there's some value in that. I I guess I'm a little I was a little skeptical about who released the info because a deal was getting done, and then information came out overnight before it was done that a deal was happening, and I don't know who releases that information. Does Buffalo do it to try and make it happen? Does Antonio Bryant's people do it to, I mean, they, I don't even know why they would do it. Do the Steelers do it because they really want to be done with it. And that that's their deal is they just say, okay, well maybe we can um, move this along if we, if we push it. So there's, there's some politics that happened. Um, I, I sort of agree that I think Scott was saying like, it's sort of unlikely, at least in my mind, that they were going to trade for him and didn't know how much he was going to be asking for. Right. Like I think when you make those initial inquiries, somebody in Pittsburgh is saying, you know, the problem is he wants this guaranteed money and his contract change. And the only way he's going to do it is if you, um, is if you, you, if you make him the highest paid wide receiver in the league, et cetera. And so if he doesn't do that, then, you know, then I think that you were probably wasting your time. Um, but you know, they, they, uh, they took a, a shot at him. My guess is more than like not wanting to come to Buffalo because it's Buffalo. I think that you probably, if you're Antonio Brown, don't want to go to Buffalo because a, there's not a big championship likelihood and B, you don't know who's throwing you the football. And I would believe that if he didn't go to Oakland, <laughs> because I I don't know what the hell is happening in Oakland. Maybe he's willing to put up with that for, you know, maybe with California's son, it's a different story. Um, but anyway. Or or soon to be Nevada son after this right. season. So moving to Vegas. Exactly. So my 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 thoughts are basically that, you know, I don't want to be like sour grapes guy and just say, you know, it was uh it was never meant to be. And he's a jerk for not coming and we're better off without him. I don't think that's true at all. I would have been very excited to have him come because I think that that would have helped a lot. Um, but he didn't come and they made an effort to go get him and they, and it didn't work out. But you know, I, I think that puts a lot of things on the table for Bean. I think it, it also puts on the idea that maybe they realize that, you know, you don't go get Antonio Brown too. If you don't think that you don't want to pass the ball, you know, to him a hundred times, let alone, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the team. So basically I'm saying, I don't think you, you, you try and sign Antonio Brown unless you're, unless you're pan, planning on passing the ball more. Um, and so that's a good sign too, in my mind. Uh, let's, let's move on though, to some of the people we did sign. Um, so the bills managed to sign, they had needs on wide receiver at wide receiver. They have needs on the line, offensive line. They have needs at tight end. They have needs at running back. Um, they have needs, uh, at other places. Uh, 
which signings should, should we just go in order? How do you want to, you know what, Paul, you put this together. How do you want to do this? Yeah. Why don't we just, I think it might just be good to talk about, let's talk about free age. Well, why don't we talk about the wide receivers? Why don't we talk about Morse first? Cause he's the big catch and then do the wide receivers and then do everyone else. Cause the everyone else is just depth guys pretty much. Sure. All right. Mm -hmm. That is how we'll do it. One, by the way, speaking of the Raiders, they have come to an agreement with Vontez Perfect. We have found out in the last seven minutes. So they're all, they're all over free agents. I know Eric Wood was sort of saying that he wouldn't have been sad if the bills and took a run at him, but right. And wasn't perfect. The one who leveled Antonio Brown, that playoff game. And that led to all that. Yeah. Years ago. He's, he's, a, he's a dirty guy. Yeah. Yep. Boy, crazy. Anyway. So let's start with Morse. I think, you look at all the other signings, they are all not bad signings. And there are good signs, and we'll get into those. I sound I sound Trumpian, so I need to watch my phrasing here. But Mitch Morse, this is the, the crown jewel of what they were trying to do. This is that mobile center. And we'd referenced on this podcast a month or two ago an article in The Athletic, and I'd mentioned this on Twitter too, where former Rams general manager Charles Army had said, you know, I would address the offensive line through free agency if it's available at tackle and center. The lack of a center will hold your team back. I would get guards in the draft and get by developing guards on the run. But, you know, it's hard to develop a center and tackles on the run. So they waited for Kansas City to develop this great center. Everyone was saying it was going to be um, at, uh, Paradise or Paradis or Paradis. Now we don't mm -hmm. have to worry about how pronouncing it. But, Paradis. So, yes, I don't know. Paradis. But... Apparently, the Bills had their eyes on Morse the whole time. He is that quick-footed interior alignment that they seem to value, that guy like Eric Wood who can get out there when you run a sweep and block. He's gotten extremely high reviews from you know other general managers. He's well-regarded in, in pro football focus. The only concern you have to, un unlike the other ones, one, this is not as easily contract-controlled. You are still going to be paying him a good wage in 2021 and 2022. And that could be an issue, not because I don't think he won't adapt to the bill system or culture or not live up to a, a contract of being one of the league's top centers. His injury history, specifically the three concussions at this point, definitely give me pause because once you have had three, according to most articles, you're about three times more likely to get one. So that to me is the big concern with Morse. That said, to me, this is a very exciting signing. And then you've signed a bunch of guard and tackle depth, which you can, you know, which we'll talk about later. And you have the draft coming up. So I think to me, this was just an absolutely huge step toward rebuilding what was a, a terrible offensive line last year. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been on the, you know, we need to invest in the offensive line uh, train for, for <clears throat> some time. And I think it's, you know, we'll talk about the depth guys later and i think that's an accurate way to phrase it is to say that they're depth guys mm -hmm. but i think mitch morris is definitely not a depth guy he's obviously like yeah he's not gonna be backing NFL. up bodine this year right yeah no he's a professional nfl starter um you know obviously paul brought up the injury concerns you know you can't really uh discount those it's obviously just anything you're gonna pretty much any guys you're signing from the free agent history are gonna have some injury concerns obviously the, the concussion one is bad because it's easier for that to be kind of career ending very quickly you know if you get one honestly more you start to start thinking about that kind of stuff but i think given the 
given the the depth that that um, given the amount of centers who were out there on the market, which was not that many. Um, Paul kind of mentioned Paredes and, and that being the only other option. I think this was a good designing. He's obviously on the younger end, which is good. Mm-hmm. Which means he'll be there for a while. Um, I think center is a good place to invest because in general, offensive linemen, I feel like are, are better free agency kind of choices because you can get people who have prune, proven their ability to handle the league. Um, whereas, you know, it's easier to kind of find guys, I think in the draft who have a little, who are, you know, can kind of come in and do one or two things well. Um, so, and I think the other big thing is obviously this, hopefully we'll take some of the burden off Josh Allen in terms of having to run the, run the protections, run the offense, and that Morris can, as a veteran, can kind of handle that. So I'm, you know, this is a, a real good signing. I don't, I think obviously this was, this was the, the one I don't think you can really argue with too much. Yeah. He, they didn't get, I guess the biggest name, but they got the second biggest name and, there's plenty of evidence that he's he's going to be good, and there's no doubt that there is a gap uh, on the line that that needed his talent. So, um, and he's also the kind of guy that uh, I don't know if anybody said this, but I think it's made been made very uh, clear that he's the type of center who takes a lot of responsibility for calling the blocking assignments. So, one less thing for rookie quarterback Josh Allen to do. Um, I'd like to get to my favorite signing um, quickly, if it's okay with Paul. Um, Go right ahead. I'd like to point out that we we are signing fu- we've signed future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, uh, and by future Hall of Famer I mean they might induct him in the next three days uh, because, <laughs> because <laughs> he, he, he does meet the age requirements. He does, and at this point it's sort of like I, it was before the real free agency signing had happened, and so I, I was sort of like rolling my eyes at it, and I was wondering whether like. Is this just something we're going to have to deal with? Is this like a botteral fetish that it's like, I want to sign all my favorite running backs who are a thousand years old. And I don't know. There's such a big deal made about how you can get running backs cheaply that know what they're, that, that, that you can get them to run. And I'm wondering if like, he feels like he's trying to scoop up that at the other end of the bell curve where he's saying, Yes, there's a market deficiency down at the young end of running back, but maybe there's also like we're not really squeezing every last drop out here at the end, and it's worth it to us to pay a little bit more to get these guys who have very specific, you know, Frank Gore is a very specific pass blocking talent. Um, you know, good another good older older Jesus guy for uh um older than Jesus for guy uh for for Allen to be around. Scott, do you have any thoughts on the Frank Gore signing and what that says about the the running back position, or or do you just want to throw yourself I, hands up? You in know, there? I've tried to read as much of the positive press about that as I can because obviously I started off with my Facebook post where I you know compared the running backs room to the tomb of the you know with the Raiders of the mm-hmm. Lost Ark or excuse me Last Crusade. Um, so I still I can't I can't get there. I can't like, I believe that Frank Gore is a good running back. I believe that he probably has value for a team out there. I don't understand why the bills need to sign him and bring him in. Like it'd be one thing if you had a depth problem at running back and you had a bunch of young running backs, you'd be like, yes, let's bring in Frank Gore to show these rookies the ropes and let them understand how to work it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that's not the running back room that we have. We have the running back room with the veterans who know how to play the game. Like, are we? If if LaShawn McCoy is motivated by Frank Gore being in the locker room, I think we have a LaShawn McCoy problem, not a not a Frank Gore problem. So that's frustrating. Um, and I think, you know, I was looking at some of the they, they did some good analysis on Buffalo rumblings on him, and and you know the yeah he's got some burst here and there, and he can still find the holes. Not doing a lot of blocking on third downs, which is, you know, kind of something that we need to do, I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, in general. Um, I, again, and I, I disagree with the, the, you know, Frank's kind of the other side of Frank's point of there are a lot of, there are so many guys out there who can play running back and do the kind of things that we need to do. We need to, like, just give us one guy who we can look forward to being on the team two to three years from now and investing and getting excited about a guy. I mean, regard like I'm not saying you're going to find a ton of better guys than Frank Gore, but you'll have guys who are as good now and can be better than Frank Gore, either in the draft or in or in mm-hmm. free agency or out there. So it's it's I'm not a not a big fan of this deal. All right, I'm I'm trying to remember it was a baseball general manager. I think wanted to remain anonymous, but he said, and this is how I'm. I should say comforting myself because I wasn't in distress about it, but there's no so no bad uh, no such thing as a bad one year contract. So I'm taking solace in that this is a a one year deal. And yes, as Scott noted, if you need Frank Gore, McCoy's trained body to motivate him, that would be a McCoy problem. And McCoy did just fine the first ten years of his career without Frank Gore in the locker room. Mm-hmm. So it seems I will say this: it seems like an extraneous signing. I do not want a locker room that features Gore and McCoy and Ivory and no other active running backs on game day come September. You know, that that can't happen either. Mm-hmm. Ivory's got to go or they move on and they, you know, give the role to a, a younger person uh, for, you know, if they decide to move on from McCoy even. So we'll see, we'll see what hen- ends up happening between now and September. But I do like Frank Gore's leadership. I do like his pass protection ability at this point in his career. That's something that's gone very underrated. Miami used him in that role a decent bit last year from everything I, I read about him. I also want to note that he's still had a, he had 156 carries last year. If he can manage that again this year and you can reduce LaShawn's typical workload from the, you know, 200 to 300, you know, uh, you know, 230, 250 carries a year to 300 carries down to say, 190 to 210, somewhere in that range. Maybe you get a more effective McCoy when you reduce his workload like that. So I could be okay with that signing, provided that a young stud gets in there and either preferably Ivory or McCoy has departed before the year. So, you know, another guy's getting to take some reps. So, but I like Frank Gore. It'll be cool if he ends his career as a Buffalo Bill because then the Bills will have had, I think, something like seven of the top 20 all-time rushers on their team at some point. That would be, that would be a fun instant trivia kind of this day in Bill's history. I, I did. I had to look, it was like him. It was like OJ Thurman, uh, LaShawn, and then Travis Henry and Willis McGahee. I'm like, wow, they had a lot of good running. And Marshawn, Marshawn was on Lawrence, there too. Yeah. yeah. So there's seven of them right there. And like some of them were legitimately bills, like not yeah. just like, <laughs> you know, uh, like the, what would be this Frank Gore signing? I'm, I'm thinking, I agree that even, I mean, uh, uh, I want to say botterel, obviously, because I've been I've been reading about how terrible. I already said it once earlier on. You're did kidding. I really? Yeah, you Bean. did. It's okay. okay it's sorry. Happen. As you both know, I've had a long week. But Bean, um, Bean, Art made a joke about 
you know, that, you know, he was trying, you know, he couldn't sign Methuselah or he, he had some joke about wanting to have like the average age be Methuselah or something. And so even he was sort of keenly aware of how old the running back room was. And my guess is that even he understands like, like this is not a good group on its own to go forward with. And he, I would imagine he thinks that there is a running back that they're targeting in the draft, you know, second round, maybe even third round that they think they can get away with. It helps when you have a quarterback who also has a big running game uh, attached to him. And if you have speedy deep threat receivers, which we can talk about in a second and a guy with a big arm, it's going to leave a lot of room um, over the middle for people to run. So maybe that's the team that they're, they're building and you don't really need a great running uh back you just need a guy who kind of knows what he's doing um and a bit more offensive line so there you go frank gore two million the, the other thing is they have tons of money right like they didn't invest some huge amount of money in him yeah. with lots of years it's like a well sure he'd be good to get in the room and if he ends up being this year's anquan bolden and he's like i'm done well okay i, I guess that's just par for the course these years we just always sign a guy who ends up not. <laughs> wanting to play um who else should who, let's I, let's talk about the receivers as a group i guess i mean we'll we'll talk about john brown and cole Be beasley and we'll throw in tyler croft who's not really a a yeah, he's, he's, he, he's his job is to catch to to line up on the line of scrimmage and catch a ball so we can call him a receiver okay so those guys brown and beasley and croft um beasley an over the middle guy uh you know, um, there to what Bean said about him was if you need six yards, he knows to run seven and he doesn't have a lot of third downs where he's not, you know, running the wrong, where he's running the wrong way. Um, Brown, I think is the speedy guy. He wants to match up with, um, who's our other guy from last year, Robert Foster, Robert Foster. Thank you. And, and they both want to go deep, which hopefully would give Beasley some room and, or, Josh Allen, some room. Uh, that seems to be the plan. We're, we're, you know, again, not top receivers. They went for Antonio Brown, not top guys. There weren't really top guys, but I think in my mind, I like the Beasley and the Brown signing, you know, not a ton of money, three and four year contracts coinciding with how long is left with Josh Allen. So if Josh Allen doesn't work out, you're not tied to these guys much longer than that. And, uh, and same with Croft. Paul, why don't you give us your thoughts first on? Yeah, and I, I really like these signings in in this view it, that this is supplemental to things they will be doing in either this draft or next year's draft, and they've definitely I like the way they structure the contracts as as well. So I would, and you know, for the upside of these receivers. Okay. For one thing, I think this is a strategic signing because with, with Sammy Watkins, with Calvin Benjamin, et cetera, mm -hmm. the emphasis was on getting big targets. Now with John Brown, with Cole Beasley, uh, even Isaiah McKenzie still being on the, on the roster, et cetera. Now they seem to be looking for shifty guys who can create this immediate separation, get visibly open quickly. And what we've learned about Josh Allen is he likes to throw to guys he sees are open. He seemed to struggle to throw into them when they're covered is as they say, he didn't seem to have the confidence to quite do that. So now with this shift, you actually see the Bills offense looking to play to Josh Allen's strengths. So I really think that can't be understated with the two receivers that they have chosen to, to add to this. On the 
downside for these receivers is a cursory review of their stats can show the Bills aren't getting game-breaking wide receivers here. Their mm-hmm. numbers aren't dissimilar to Zay's uh, last season. They're very similar to uh, Jeremy Curley's 2016 stats, and he was cut very early last season. And they're both older running backs. That said, I think at the very least, this creates some great competition at the wide receiver position where you're going to have, you know, six to eight guys with, you know, Brown, Beasley, Foster, Zay, McKenzie, Duke Williams, and the receiver, Duke Williams, maybe a draft pick, maybe Andre Roberts, who they picked up in as a kick returner gets involved. And maybe they get give the best five to six job to those guys and three or four get significant playing time. Regardless, the whole point to me is Josh Allen is going to have a much better receiving core this year. And the the last thing I'll note before uh, Scott adds, uh, adds his thoughts on free agency here is I personally would not expect either Cole Beasley to be on this team during his age 33 season when his contract expires, or at least by then he'll then relegate to a minor contributor role. Uh, you know, the greatest slot receiver in years has been Wes Welker and his numbers really started to dip severely in his age 32 season. But again, contract is structured in a way where the bills won't have a ton of dead money as a result because they gave him a ton guaranteed this year and some next year and didn't give him a huge signing bonus. So uh, I think a smart, smart signings at the receiver position overall. It makes them better. So I I will use this time to do my kind of more strategic thoughts about free agency because I think this is the easiest way where you can see how the, the strategy that they've built in kind of plays out. Because Bean has been very clear this whole time in McDermott that you build through the draft. And that's clearly what they have decided to do is they've made a lot of fairly conservative free agency signings designed to help fill holes so that they can claim that they can then go into the draft and just take the best player available because they don't mm-hmm. have any more needs. And I would say that that's not, that's not really true because they obviously do still have needs, but obviously every team has, an, you know, you know, the Patriots would say they probably have needs that they would need to address to a certain extent one way or another in the offseason. Yeah, they need another finger to hold all their fucking rings. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <So>, Sorry. <laughs> No, it's it's an excellent joke. Um, the where I was going to go though was so that makes sense, and I think these two are kind of so. If you look at the the Croft signing, uh, the Croft signing, the Brown signing, the Beasley signing, they're a little bit they're we're not overpaying for these guys, other than the extent that everyone kind of overpays in free agency because mm-hmm. very rarely do you get a lot of bargains in free agency. That's just how it is. Um, they're not overpaying for them. There's some options for the team. You know, again, like Paul said, there's three years from now, there's a chance neither one of them could still be on the team or four years. And that means, you know, we could burn this whole thing down three or four years from now and it wouldn't be the end of the world. We'll at least have a little bit of chance to, to see how this plays out, but that they're really trying to make sure that they clear the deck so that they won't have a lot of talent or a lot of investments on free agents that that may not work out well um these are two of the bigger risks that they took they're still fairly conservative risks i think josh brown's a good player i think he's also something bean has said is that you know he's not quite sure that you know nfl teams need the traditional number one wide receiver um that clearly is borne out in the sense that they didn't sign Antonio Brown or trade for him uh, or bring in Odell Beckham, but they did kind of acquire two guys for about the same price. Um, That said, 
I'm not, I mean, me personally, I don't know how Cole Beasley fits in this offense because isn't that the whole point of Josh Allen is he can just throw it downfield. Like, mm-hmm. isn't, isn't it that he has, it's going to be more consistently hard for him to make accurate throws in traffic to get that seven yard out when the guy's right on Cole Beasley's hip because Beasley's not going to be able to get that much separation. You just need to get it to him right on a spot and then he'll catch it. So that's, I'm a little questioning of the Beasley move and the Croft move is just to me like at the point we're in the just a guy kind of phase of free agency and pretty much everyone we talk about from here on is just a guy and Croft is a guy who's you know if you talk to some if you talk to to some people who did the analysis they say he's a good blocker if you talk to some of the people on the Cincinnati Bengals you know SB Nation yep. page he wasn't a great blocker um you know he had one good year where he caught a lot of balls the other two years, he didn't catch any balls. He's had some injury concerns. He was the second or third tight end on a decent Cincinnati team. So expecting him to come in and blow the doors off is is expecting too much. And again, that's I think the plan. So that's mm-hmm. okay. But let's be let's be realistic about what that plan is. And I think there's been uh, some of the coverage has been I would call it breathless about the excitement of basically having signed an entire new starting offense in the last two weeks. Right. But, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. A lot of these guys are the, the facade of, of, of competency without actually getting into it. Right, I, yeah. that, I, I was going to jump in Tyler Croft, yeah. his best season as a receiver was still not as good as Charles Clay's worst pre 2018 season. So you know, Scott makes really valid points about about him not being a prolific pass catching guy. Buffalo Rumblings had pointed out four free agents that were still available who could be starters, including Ansa, who we'll talk about. But not Clay Matthews now, by the way, who just signed with the Rams four minutes ago. There you go. Uh, but Jared Cook, uh, a yep. tight end who could be a, a it would be a t- tight end one above Tyler Croft. Agreed. Um, and so, yeah, there is still room i think that some of that is depth some of that is and um some of scott's point about how you know signing guys is not the same as you know signing guys um but that some of it is that there was no depth at all on this team and how poor the 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 offense was last year that anything um is an upgrade on some level but more importantly um that you know i think that because it's been such a defensive focused team for so long that any offensive signings feel like a, 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 you know, a, a, a step in the right direction. And so there you go. Um, you I, transition perfectly to the offensive lineman now, if that's where you were going, I that is what I was going to say was we have, and I had, I just lost the, the page. Um, but Joe, John Feliciano and La Adrian Waddle. Um, I mean, really, is there a better name for an offensive lineman than Waddle? <laughs> Probably, but it's up there. Um, you know, Ty and Seki is the one who really, I think Ty and Seki has the chance to start. So he's probably. Yeah, Ty and Seki, two years, 14 and a half million from uh, here in Washington. Um, Well, last played here in Washington. Um, But yeah, these, you know, three new linemen. Nasheki is like a, like a hybrid, right? Like he's not really a. Right. Yeah. He he's, I think that he, when he stepped in a lot last year, he was at, at the very key position, which is left tackle, but he spent a lot of his career on the interior line as well. It says he's played everywhere, but center. Okay. I, I, I think that there's something to be said that they've gone from three, you know, no, 
I don't know, zero or one half starting linemen to <laughs> two and a half to three starting linemen, you know, I, the, competency wise. And so that's a big step in the right direction with room for more. Um, but you, you have thoughts on this, Paul. Go for it. Yeah, I was just going to say there's a few ways to look at it. And it's and again, this transitions well, because Scott was going to an area I wanted to go to before, which is this really it sets it up depth wise now. So you can look at this Bill's offense and say it would take a miracle if they weren't much better than they were last year. Mm -hmm. And this is before the draft has even happened which in theory allows you to take the best player available. I won't go too far down that road now because we'll have some thoughts on that later. But what I like about this is you have a lot of guys with starting experience who, again, you've structured their contracts wisely so they get a bunch of guaranteed money this year. And then if you need to cut loose, you can. But you also create what I read on a website called the twitter.com creates mm. a cauldron of competition. And I forgot which sports reporter had noted that. And this is what the Colts did on their offensive line. They took a bunch of guys who were you know, either the type of guys who are starting, you know, seven, eight games a year, nominal stars, maybe top backups and threw them all in a room and said, one of you guys is probably going to get a starting job, you know, unless we have to draft three offensive linemen at the very top of the draft. You guys fight this out. You see who the best is. And you look at this offensive line depth compared to how it was last year. And this helps just enormously. So I would mm -hmm. still expect them to draft someone, maybe a tackle, uh, prefer possibly a right tackle and hope Dawkins continues to develop or, you know, people have talked about shifting Dawkins to right tackle. They can draft a franchise left, but I think it's more likely they would draft on the interior of the line. So now you've got, you know, the, one of those guys fighting with John Feliciano or Spencer Long or Adrian Waddle. And then you have Ty and Secchi who had probably by by most reports his best year last year in his 30s and doesn't have a lot of mileage on him for a guy who's that age so i really i think most of all i like these signings on on the offensive line because i think we're going to see this help josh allen enormously but i'm still going to make the note i really do hope they still draft some interior linemen to you know help with this competition so i i i am i am not I'm not there yet. I, right. I am still very much um, concerned about the offensive line in general. It has gotten better. Morse makes the line better. There's no doubt about that. Um, if you want to say um, that they might, if, if they go out and get, if they, right now I'm grading free agency on a curve at about a B under the theory that we're not trying to basically, I would call it, they're not, we're not trying to win the war in free agency. We're, this is a, a holding action, a supporting action, so that we can get into the draft, make some good picks there, and that's how we that's how we get the team to a better position. This is just a lot of guys who are kind of designed to help us win in the in the immediate future, just because we need bodies on some level. I'm not viewing any of these as really moving the needle forward. Um, I would say, like, let's let's let's. So if you want to talk about like depth and experience, so. I think the number was John Miller has started 47 games for mm. the Bills, obviously. He was a third-round pick, obviously, when we drafted him a couple years ago. So he has started as many games as Waddle and Nseki put together. Um, now, again, if you want to call John Miller a borderline starting offensive guard in the league, I will buy that. There's he'd plenty of games so, where he so didn't... with the Cincinnati Bengals. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they paid him the money to do that. So, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't think I think it's I think it's foolish to expect more than borderline NFL starter play out of Waddle and Inseki just because they, they, they haven't proven that they can do it. And you can say that they, you know, Ninseki got a late start, came from the AFL. This is obviously not about the personnel themselves in terms of their qualities as human beings. It's just about what they can bring to the team this year. I don't think it's fair to expect them to do more than that and to say that we've we've that, that the line has gotten a lot more depth. Feliciano never started. Groy at least started 16 games for the Bills, the Steelers at various points in the career. Obviously, Bodine has started for some games for the for the Bengals as well. John, uh, freaking Jordan Mills has started like 60 or 70 games. And again, like it's not to prove that these guys are good players. I'm just saying, like we had plenty of borderline guys last year, and the line was terrible. So I now that said, Morris makes the line better. If we get another tackle, if we get Jonah Williams in the draft and he's the new starting right tackle, I feel a lot better about the line because once you get three guys in there who are kind of starting caliper quantity, you can start to hide some of the faults a little bit with the other guys. There's less weak points and it's less of just a constant sieve. You know, you can have the back chip somebody, you can double team somebody else, and you've kind of figured out your you know your line for the pass protection. You can do some more things. All right. We so we not, didn't notice Miller and Mills much when they were next to Wood Incognito and Glenn. <laughs> right. It's a it's a good point. Because like, you can slide the protection. You can do things to help these guys. But when the whole line is a sieve, you can't do that stuff. So we're getting better. I will buy that on the Morse thing, but I don't I don't these are all to me, these are all uh, again, like I was saying, just a guy. These are just guys we plugged in. You know, the Feliciano siding. Our new offensive line coach was out in Oakland. He liked Feliciano out there. He brought him with him. Like, it's not... I don't know that Feliciano is going to be any better or worse than John Miller just because John Miller, you know, whatever. His his contract was up and the, the new offensive line coach wanted a different guy. Like, sometimes it's just that simple. So I, I, want, I want the team to be better. I hope it will be better. If we go out and spend a first round pick on a defensive tackle, then I'm, I'm very frustrated under the idea that we think this is going to work on the offensive line. So I'll just put that marker down now. Um, okay. Kevin Johnson is left to talk about. Yep. The band Andre, Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts. With yep. And John Miller is gone. Yep, that about covers Bill's fans. Yeah, John, uh, just uh, we don't have to really go into the depth we did on that because I know we want to talk about the draft. And hey, mm-hmm. we're only forty minutes in; could be worse. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's I, all substantive too. I mean, we're really yeah, we haven't Kev- even gotten to Beth Phoenix yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that's gonna be the core of the pod. So Thank yeah, all, all in all, Andre Roberts killed the Bills last year, so at least he's not going to kill the Bills this year. So I think the special teams is going to be a lot better with him on there, plus all the depth that they're going to have from these signings. A lot of these guys will end up in special teams roles, so big help there. And then Kevin Johnson's a flyer. He could be Vontae Davis, or he could be Levi Levi Wallace. So we'll see how that goes after this season. Yeah, not much to add there. Yeah, I mean, obviously you hope that you know, Johnson stays healthy and he can provide some depth in the secondary depth in the secondary. I hope he doesn't find any depth in the secondary. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's uh that's a dark omen. I let's hope that's not foreshadowing. Bringing in Ghost Rider to play in our secondary. <laughs> Penance stare. Oh my god. Exactly. He's got the chain on him. Oh no. Um hopefully yeah. it's not the Nick Cage. Agreed. You know. Agreed. Um 
Okay, so yeah, no, I don't have anything else to say on those guys. Um, I just hope that it's we make the most of having a kick return, punt return specialist um, available to us in the few years left for the kick return and punt yes. return game. Before it uh, becomes possession at the 25 or whatever they're talking about and, or the punt, all sorts and, of things have been proposed. And the world rejoices for, you know. And somewhere know. Terrence McGee sheds a tear goes no um yeah so the uh yeah, can i talk about uh, how it affects the draft i, I didn't mean yes to i didn't know no, no i was no i was only thinking out loud whether we should do that and or go to the other teams first yeah might as well stay with the draft for i i wrote the agenda in kind of a haphazard fashion but i think because scott's already alluded so heavily to some of this maybe we just jump all right then the draft we're picking ninth and 39th and or well, 41st or something. Um, how do you, how does this affect the draft? Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll jump into Cisco unless you want to jump in. I mean, oh, to please. steal the thunder, but what I, I love, and, and again, I like this because it ties well in the free agency. Brandon Bean has told us all along, you are going to build through the draft. Free agency is over. And what I've liked about the approach and scott mentioned this earlier with some degree of skepticism is mm -hmm. that it does allow you to take the truly best player available in the spot and i would agree to the point where i would be okay with any position player the bills draft except quarterback or a, a special team or kicker punter long snapper in that position even in a spot like running back if you can get a Saquon Barkley type to help you in a division that now has Le'Veon Bell. And that helps Josh Allen out immensely, even though it says, oh, you can get better value for running back in the later rounds. I'd be fine with that. Game-breaking tight end, that interior offensive lineman who, as Scott said, then pushes some of these other guys into being depth. Now you have three really quality linemen up front. Another wide receiver because, you know, you've got a bunch of guys in their late tw 20s or early 30s and then to you know, a bunch of young guys who are too well, they've shown flashes are not proven. And then if you do on the defensive side of the ball, a three technique to rotate in with Phillips to replace Kyle, one technique to help out star Luda Lely because it's not like you can say, oh, Harrison Phillips is you know going to be the best. Uh, a pass rusher with Hughes on last year's contract, a line, literally any position, I would be eh, safety might be questionable, but really any position, I would be fine with them. So I really like that the approach they took allows them to do it because i feel last year with what they did in free agency we thought okay they've done this and this okay let's can't wait to see what they do on the offensive line or at the wide receiver position in the first three rounds because they're so dead there and then they drafted no one at those positions in the first three rounds focusing on josh and the defense so i feel this year they that won't be the case they can legitimately and they were a mess by the way at offensive mm -hmm. line wide receiver as a result as we all predicted as every Bills fan predicted a year ago. So I do like how this has set them them up for the draft. I know Scott did express some skepticism on on how this might still not be perfect. Uh yeah, I mean I think I'm I'm at the point where uh I I'm not I'm feeling better about the team, but I'm still not really functionally changed what I think the priorities need to be. That offensive line still needed a priority. As I said, I still think it does. If you wanted to back away from wide receiver, I'd be okay um, there. 
just because between I, I think I liked what I saw from Foster last year and with Brown and Beasley in the fold with Jones already on the field with, you know, Duke Williams, the the guy they signed from the CFL already. Maybe we'll get something out of him. You know, you can find depth at wide receiver later in the draft. So I'd be OK with 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 not not drafting a, a using um a first round pick on a wide receiver at this point, especially because, you know, I think in general there's concerns about the wide receiver group. I mean, obviously there's some talented guys like Metcalf um, mm-hmm. there, but I feel like there's still going to be value at the top of the second there for, for wide receivers. Um, and then, so offensive line for, for me is still number one priority. We should have our pick of offensive linemen in the, in at number nine, which is great because I think that'll, I think I'll feel much stronger about this team. If we get a real strong offensive lineman to plug in there, I think I'll be a lot less concerned about living through another season of, of Allen, you know, getting, getting decked left and right. And then after that, you know, if, if, uh, you know, wide receiver is an option. I think there's some good backs. I, I I think we do need a running back. I think I'm I'm more of the traditional. You can get backs later in the draft and find talent there. Um, tight end certainly one. I think that's that's viable. You can say that you know mm-hmm. obviously maybe Croft is just kind of a placeholder for somebody better. Um, and on defense, I, I'm not going to say there's no needs on defense. Obviously, we're losing Kyle. That's that is a hole um, that we have not really filled. Other than you know Jordan Phillips presumably coming back, um, so we I think we do need to plug somebody in there, but that would be where I think you know you could start to argue in the second or third round defensive tackle is where you'd go because I I don't think there is a lot of depth um, on the offensive line as you go further into the draft in terms of guys who are going to be ready to play soon because to me we're 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 right at the point now where we're needing to start seeing the team win this year and I don't think we have time for you know projects like Wyatt Teller. To, 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 you know, I hope in two or three years he's a starting kind of capable guard. Um, you know, we guys who could plug and play right now. So I, I think, uh, I think offensive line is still the way to go. All right. I, I like all of that. Um, I think that we should also talk about now the, uh, you know, we're not the only team signing players in free agency. If yeah. What are you talking? We're the only team that's gotten better. No, no other team gets better ever. No. Uh, AFC East favorite, the Jets, apparently. Um, <laughs> the Browns of the AFC East, if you will. If you will, right? I mean, the typical powerhouse, the Browns. Um, the Jets signed Le'Veon. Thank you to Paul, by the way, for doing yeoman's work here, uh, getting this entire list of everything together. All the facts that you have today have come from Paul's fingertips. And if you want to contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com, save Paul, hashtag <laughs> Paul. Um, Please do. Dot Jeff, it will be good. Um, signed uh, the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, Jamison Crowder. They lost Jason Myers, Andre Roberts, uh, James Carpenter, and Buster Scrine. They have a high draft pick. Screen. They have the screen. Sure, whatever. Does it matter? No. Um, <laughs> Who cares? We're we're not going to see. He's a Chicago cornerback now. Exactly. So. Uh, New England hasn't signed anybody notable. They've lost Trey Flowers, Trenton Brown. Malcolm Brown and Cordell Patterson, Miami with Fitz Magic, perhaps the most uh, heart wrenching signing in the year. <laughs> uh, Ryan Tannelall is gone, and uh, Jawan James and Cameron Wake also gone. Um, there you go. Um, I saw that I heard something about someone saying that Sam Darnold is the best quarterback right now in the AFC East. I 
I don't really yeah, want to Yeah, but that, I think that was Manish Meta, and I don't think he's allowed to have opinions. <laughs> I, he I shouldn't think... be. I really, th there's no human being in the world I feel that way about, maybe except Manish Meta. I, I just finished reading a book about the about the click economy, and I so I just disregard so much now. that The fact that somebody <laughs> said it doesn't matter. Um, so, but that's there. Obviously, the Patriots are still the Patriots. The Jets are well improved. The I'd say that the the Dolphins were tanking, but in another way, you know, like signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's not great, is also like good for a couple weird couple hundred yard yeah. games. And they're know? replacing Ryan Tannehill, who wasn't doing much anyway, and they were still number two in the AFC East last year. So maybe they're not as, you know, tanky as we think they might be. Perhaps, or perhaps that's just, you know, they they felt like he's the guy who will make it look like they're doing something yeah we are trying we swear <laughs> at least you the the at least you tried cake right um Ron, but, Ron, ronnie brown is not available to run the wildcat so they needed exactly. someone to, to hike the ball and <laughs> exactly Patrick was available he'll he'll run it however you want it to be run <laughs> um so what do we think of the of the newish and, and improved ish afc east um uh, it's gonna be i mean i think miami's a uh uh, a stuff show at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know how that's going to work at all. I mean, the, the it barely worked with Tannenhill. I mean, he, he was barely in there, and then now we're just going to bring in Fitzpatrick, who I was. Frank said he was. What did you say? He was not great. I was. No. He, he was not great four years ago. Right, not, but, but he like, still has like the weird like I'll throw a four hundred yard game. Oh yeah, and, there, there's, and there's a great thing about how the week later. <laughs> There's right, a great thing he, on Twitter about how he'll go and beat the Patriots one week and then lose by the Bills to 25 the next. So you've exactly. got to be kind of okay with it. It's just one of those things where I feel like if you're trying to lose, you could pick more losey quarterbacks than that. Blake, Blake Bortles was available. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, which he was, which is sad to see him go and all the good place jokes are ruined now. That I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they'll work it in. Maybe... Maybe not into the end of this season, but by next season, oh, yeah. there'll be something about that. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, no. So, I mean, I mean, none of the, and none of the other free agency moves matter because it's just who's going to be behind the Super Bowl champ Patriots. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they could lose anybody at this point. Trey Flowers, Trent Brown. Like, Trent Brown was a guy who they just signed off the scrap heap a year ago because their previous last tackle, Nate Solder, had went to the Giants, and it was like, oh, the Patriots may not be as good without Nate Solder. Nate Solder goes on to do terrible for the Giants, mm -hmm. and then they bring in Trent Brown, and he continues to ha he has the best season ever, and now he's cashes in. They, you know, they're calling it like the Patriots, you know, pump up or whatever. Right. Matt Castle it, got all the money from the Chiefs, remember, after he uh, was traded away. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, Danny Amendola or whoever you mm -hmm. want to say. There's like, two guys they can't lose. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, okay. and that's indefinite, right? Like, there's no real sense of how long that will last. But yeah, it's, it's pretty really, much, yeah, it's 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 we're all just playing for second place. Now that said, it might be a little more interesting. You know, at least us and the Jets have now put together enough talent to where it'll look more interesting when we're playing. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not excited to see Le'Veon Bell in our division. That's that's not a that's not going to make things better, certainly. But, you know, there's still a chance that team could just, you know, collapse on itself in a huge pile of, you know, smoldering ashes and, and infighting and, and New York media pressure. So it is the I, Jets. I, 
It is the Jets. So we'll see. You know, I, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. First, before I forget, Entertainment Weekly did note just today that The Good Place is filmed in Los Angeles and Blake Bortles signed with the Rams. So we we may be close to the cameo. Nice. We've been talking about it for a while, so we'll see if it gets there. Yeah, and I I almost fully agree with with Scott. I would be very surprised if the Dolphins don't finish in fourth, and I would be very surprised if the Patriots don't finish in first. You know, as Scott know, they can pretty much rotate people in and out on that offensive line or most positions. A wide receiver, we mentioned Amendola, so it seems, and they do just fine because they've got Brady, they've got Belichick, they straight stay true to their themes and also to their approach of let's not worry so much about what we're doing, but what is our opponent doing and how can we, you know, put them in a position where they can't execute like they want to. I think it's going to be a really good battle for two and three and for, for the future. I would love to see a Bills Jets rivalry because we haven't really had one. Those two teams have not been good at the same time since the early 1980s. So that would be something for for a long stretch. They are good. But yeah, you look at the Jets signings. I certainly question, as a lot of people do, just how much guaranteed money they gave these players and how much of their free agency money they spent. But there is no doubt that compared to what the Bills got in free agency, they have done a better job of setting them up for immediate help before the draft than the Bills have done with Josh Allen. So kudos to the Jets for taking that bold approach and for at least being competitive this year. So I think, you know, year to year, if you look at it, almost every team gets better. A team that was, you know, four and 12 last season could probably beat their same iteration of that. The team, you know, eight years before, if they were 12 and four, just saying like teams get better as time goes on. So I think everyone's gotten a little better except Miami. And, you know, I think the Bills and Jets uh, have made moves toward getting a lot better. And I think it should be a very exciting. Uh, I think we'll have some exciting games between uh, the Jets Jets this season. Cool. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with any of that. And I think it is a race for second. <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see if second is good enough for a playoff spot. It'll be also interesting. More importantly, I think it'll be a question of, you know, are you second because somebody has to be second or are you second because you right. were actually, are you, are you the seven and nine second place? Like the bills have been in the AFC East or, you know, are, are you, you the nine and 10 win second, right? Yeah. That, that, you know, actually was kind of awesome. And if you were in the division with the Patriots might've been a 10 or 11 win team. Mm -hmm. um, so one of those will happen and we will get there. Um, but where we will go first is Twitter and Facebook questions. And I have not been, on the social medias. Are there any Twitter yeah, and Facebook I, questions? I've been, I've, I have I've been Facebook you. you can do the Facebook. We've got one on Twitter. So you go ahead, Scott. Um, so my objective uh, is to do as little as possible today, folks. <laughs> Please feel free to continue. Um, there's, uh, there's really not that much on Facebook. Everyone enjoyed the GIF. Uh, yes. and Phil Arnold said, get Reggie back to go all in. And that is, Oh, Reggie. I think that was like a running back joke, right? Like a yes, Reggie. Do we have a Reggie? Reggie Bush. I think he was Reggie Bush, probably. Sure. Yes, yes. I think he that was. That would have been also unlike the 2009 NFL Pro Bowl running back kind of squad. Right. So, yeah. 
Um, I think that's what he was going for. Like probably, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's good. Yeah, it took me a while. I got there because yeah, I tried um, to find you. There was one year where Gore, McCoy, and Ivory finished in the top ten in rushing in the same season. <laughs> it was not a recent year, mind you, but it was a year. It's clearly the the year Brandon Breen lost his virginity or something. It was, it was, <laughs> the, yeah. He's 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 going at nostalgia at the running back position. Exactly. Uh, Michael Mullen says we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the free agent signings. You're hearing them now. Ooh. And then Brian Punt says, very pleased with the Antonio Brown and Cole Beasley outcomes. Disregarding the attitude of AB, Brown has much more talent, obviously, but Beasley's in is much more usable and useful in our situation, I think. We and Joe Tarantelli says, maybe this year. Aww. Wait, Joe Tarantelli says that? Yeah. I went to law school with him. I'm so glad he's listening. Hi, Joe. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize Joe listened. Okay. Uh, you got to get on, on social Facebook media, page. Frank, man. Look, man. Listening and going on the Facebook page, not the same thing, but at least it's, he's on the Facebook page. It's good. It's good. Um, and then uh, on Brian, you know, Brian's point, I think I've, I've established my position on on Beasley and and where his utility is. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying he's not going to catch balls for us. I'm just saying I don't I'm not sure there wasn't a better way to spend that money uh on the team uh right now. But like ice maybe, cream. I would have spent it on ice cream. Hey, if it keeps Josh Allen happy and makes him a more accurate passer, I'm all right. He's just like, yeah. sure, let's do it. <laughs> we'll play for ice cream. I liked ice cream. I had they we had ice cream in Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's it from Facebook. All right. Now, Twitter, yeah, Brian had simply uh, noted, you know, on paper, they've addressed some of the glaring weaknesses on offense. Would like to, and we talked about this briefly, but not in depth. Would like to see a pass rusher picked up, but without throwing Mario Williams' money at them. Some of the better ones have already gone, though. But of course, is I think it was Frank mentioned, or some of the good ones are still out there. Ziggy's still out there and a couple others. And if, yeah, if you can sign those guys to, one or two deal that's a five or 10 million and not Mario Williams money, especially with Hughes on the last year of his deal to get someone else in the fold um, or draft someone. I really think uh, this, this team could benefit in a, in a big way from getting another pass rusher besides Jerry Hughes. Yes. And that's it for, that's it for Twitter. Um, the stain bills history. Yeah, or even the Stain Bills headlines will do. Yes, so, if the H is, right. you know. No, I know. I've, I've, I'm gonna, I'm gonna screw it up and say it wrong about five times myself. So, uh, I do not judge. The, so, the, the previous headlines are history. They are. So it's, so not, it's, it's wrong. not wrong. Yeah, it's just not the title. Yep. Uh, before we get started, I just want to share with you guys three headlines on this day in 2017, which are not part of the trivia portion, but which are worth mentioning. Uh, one. And this is all the same year, mind you. Three mm. reasons the Bills should draft Pitt QB Nathan Peterman. Actual headline number one. Wow. Actual headline number two. Buffalo Bills Sean McDermott claims he's on good terms with Doug Whaley. Uh, and Holy then the moles. third one, which is interesting. Texas Tech QB Mahomes, an intriguing draft prospect for Bills. So it was those those were all ones I couldn't come up with trivia questions for or didn't want to do trivia for. But, yeah, those were uh, those those I found interesting. So mad. <laughs> fourth, fourth, fourth headline. No way Hillary can lose. Sixteen seed has never beaten a one seed, nor will it ever. <laughs> exactly. Like it's oh, UMBC. <laughs> Unsinkable. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I try and if I find some more of those in the future, I'll bring those that to your is, attention too. But that's, it was, why we, that's why we love the segment. Yep. Right, exactly. March cold. 19th, 2017 was a gold day for headlines. That's cold for sure. Takes exposed, right? Like yep. hey, we just definitely had a moment there. All right, so we'll start off a couple of couple easier ones to start, and then we'll get into some tough earth ones. All right, March 19th, 2018. Buffalo Bills reportedly hosting free agent center blank. Mm, Russell Bodine. Russell Bodine. Scott beats beats uh, beats Frank to the punch. Yeah, he did. I was, right. my punch was beaten. <laughs> All right, we do have a 2017 headline that it will be part of the trivia. Bills blank found Seahawks' decision to let him go an interesting move. Fred Jackson? Kicker. No, Dan Car... Um, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. Go, Frank. Yeah. You go Dan with Dan Carpenter? No, uh, no. Stephen Hauschka. Hauschka, there you go. I had to yeah. get to the next guy, right. <laughs> All right. Now, this one will be a little tougher. Uh, 2016, Bills sign ex-Viking safety blank. He only played for the Bills for parts of two seasons. He started two games, but became largely uh, extraneous once Hyde and Poyer got aboard. Former Viking. Uh, I think he spent some time with the Cowboys, too. I'm going to take a quick peek at his Wikipedia page. Yeah, drafted in 2012 by the Vikings, four seasons with them, and then the Bills in 16 and 17, and was with the Cowboys in the offseason one year. Adrian Adrian Waddle. Uh, little known skills of the Bills' uh, new offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. You're so close, LeAdrian Le Pottle. Ah, uh, Pottle, his little known half brother. Yes. Uh, the, the correct answer, Robert Blanton, you may remember. Blanton. Yes, yep. that does ring a bell. Yep. Definitely LeAdrian Pottle. Yep. All right, 2015, Bills signed tight end blank to offer sheet. Charles Clay. Charles Clay. Yeah. Yep, a sad day in Bill's his, Bill's history and Bill's headlines. All right, 2013, going back six years, Tennessee Titans release QB Matt Hasselbeck agreed to terms with blank. Hmm. Six years ago. Yep. Um, is the trick that it's not actually a quarterback that they agreed to terms with? or I thought about trying to fool you by not saying that because it wasn't in the headline, but it is, in fact, a quarterback. Okay. Okay. Thad <sighs> um, Lewis. Ooh, good guess, though. He was he signed with the Bills in 2013, so mm, he would have just okay. joined the Bills then. All right. Um, well, I, I have to wait now. I have to Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Oh, he Frank will get no chance to wait because Scott jumps in. Yes, remember Ryan Fitzpatrick has played everywhere. He, <laughs> yep. there's, he's going he's for all 32. Man, he's been everywhere. <laughs> all right. So then free agency unfortunately changed uh, in the early 2010s. So these are less free agency oriented headlines. We're going to have a mix of easy and hard here for these last five. All right. 2009. Bucks signed Bills linebacker blank. 2009 10 years ago if i can he was a he was a good linebacker not a pro bowl linebacker but a a good linebacker spent oh let's see come on wikipedia why are you so slow today spent uh six seasons with the bills and then two with tampa bay before his nfl career ended college uh, you've went to uva round three pick of the bills Um, this is tough. Oh, this is gonna bother me. T. 
defense, late 2000s linebacker. Had seven sacks during his Bills career. Had five interceptions during his Bills career as well. Oh, Angelo Crowell. Angelo Crowell. Ah, well Nicely done. done it's the college will, will help me. So always, <laughs> That's what I try helpful. and do. I feel yeah. like I sneak that in there. Like if I knew yeah. they were in a superhero movie, I know Frank's <laughs> going to get that hand. <laughs> I know if it's college, I think Scott's always got a chance. All right. This one will be a little tougher as well, but we got the last one. 2005, going back 14 years, X-Raven blank visits with Bills. Blank, 28, started four straight years for the Ravens at right guard. He's known as a mauler, good at run blocking, pulling and playing athletic style are not considered his strengths. So as you guys mull that one over, I believe he only played one season with the Bills, and that marked the end of his NFL career. No, he played one more season after that with the Dolphins. And uh, yeah, he was largely terrible as an interior lineman. Uh, they did try him to tackle. He was largely terrible there as well. His college of choice was Tennessee State, and he was undrafted. Yeah, not not my speciality. <laughs> undrafted that, Tennessee you know. State into, people from into 2000. The, uh, into yeah. the, 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 the mid-majors there. Um, yeah. yeah. Um. He, uh, let's see. I'll try and give the ultimate... Hint here. I think Elton John would have preferred he signed with the Jets. Benny, Benny Anderson. Benny Anderson. Yes. All right. Benny Anderson. Wow. All right. 22 years ago, 1997, Packers re-signed blank. The 32-year-old athlete will enter his second year with Green Bay after six seasons with the Buffalo Bills and one with Carolina Panthers. Hmm. If you need a position, let me know. I just read it and it said 32-year-old athlete, but position would help you immensely if you if it, you need it. The end or linebacker? It's not. It's a, it's an offensive position. Mm. Wide receiver. Wide receiver. His son plays in the league now. Don well, James Lofton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going with that. Don Beebe's Don Beebe, yeah. Mm. Don Beebe was a Went went to the Packers after. But yeah, too. Remember, he won a Super Bowl with the Packers, and he returned yeah, a touchdown right. in the Super right. Bowl. Right. That's right. I had it backwards because um, James Lofton started as a Packer, and I was wondering nice. if I had confused the two of them, but I didn't. So Yes, you did the reverse. His son, okay. Chad, has four career catches uh, with the Vikings. All right, a couple to go here. Uh, 1996, Buffalo Bills signed linebacker blank from the Detroit Lions. Uh, oh, um, Chris Spielman. Chris Spielman. Yeah. You guys are on fire today. Mm. All right, we're going to jump forward to 1997 because I need at least one depressing highlight uh, each time. Buffalo Bills linebacker blank arraigned Tuesday after he went into a violent rage following an argument with his girlfriend. Uh, blank, 24, a third-year linebacker from North Carolina State, had to be subdued with pepper spray prior to being arrested at his apartment in the Buffalo suburb, Chittawaga Police Lieutenant Rusinski said. Uh, Covington punched holes in the wall and tore doors off. Oh, I gave his oh, name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Damien Covington. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Who I, I could have it this day in Bill's headlines for him really every week. He was always doing something. So, um, but he didn't spend three years in prison as he could have. All right. Last one. 1993, 26 years ago today, Buffalo Bills free safety blank will receive the organization's man of the year award. 
So let's see if I can give a what year again? Say that. Nineteen ninety-three. So he would play for the Bills from eighty-six to ninety-three. He actually won the not only won the Bills award for Man of the Year, but then went on to win the NFL wide Wizard White NFL Man of the Year award in nineteen ninety-three, which, is which did Walter not happen Payton. on this day. But yeah. He is currently. I don't want to give anything more away. Hmm. Okay. He's. Uh, you know what? I'll give it away. He's currently still, still part of the Bills organization in a way. You might hear him talking about the Bills from time to time. Mark Kelso. Mark Kelso. There we go. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, well done, gentlemen. This was, uh, you guys, I don't think there was, a, you didn't leave any on the table. You might have left Damian Covington on the table, but I eventually would have given away. Yeah, I don't think I would, I don't think we would have got there. Yeah, yeah. But you got Benny Anderson, guys. So that was, that was an accomplishment. Well, that was a pretty heavy hit, but I'll, <laughs> all right. And that was this day in Dill's headlines for March 19th. Wow. So many great headlines. That was or, a good, good. We day. didn't get to Beth Phoenix. Oh no, the Glamazon. Yeah, she's coming out of retirement. She's from Buffalo, so. And she's married to, married to Edge as well. So right. good job, married. Yeah, I know he retired for health reasons, which was always kind of sad. But um, she went to Beth Phoenix and I, uh, both proud graduates of Canisius College in Buffalo, New York. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, you kept saying 1997, and I had recently watched a. Uh, replay of a pay-per-view from Rochester, New York in 1997, a wrestling pay-per-view. And I'm proud. I'm not proud. I can report that everybody was wearing clothes that they now still wear in Rochester. <laughs> I was like, it could be the war memorial tomorrow. I promise you. Um, so there you go. And I was actually watching a wrestling video where they were talking about the big Hogan sting match in 97 in WCW. And it said live from the MCI center in Washington, DC. I'm like, Oh my Lord, you're several name changes ago. MCI center. Oh my. So if you're on Rhode Island Avenue near eighth street, there's still a sign pointing you to the MCI center. So Rhode Island Avenue, you know, you might want to look into Dig changing up. that sign. Yeah. Edge quickly, and then we'll get off of wrestling. Unless you like this, in which case you can sign up for our Patreon, in which we will talk about <laughs> wrestling for you. Um, when I went to see wrestling, I, I've seen wrestling live twice. Once when I was really young, and once in my twenties. And when I went in my twenties, it was in um, Edge and Christian were the tag team, and Ed, Edge they had the best joke of the night. There was a lot of like, there was like a joke where DX was watching walking along the Genesee River, and they were like look at this beautiful skyline. And it was like, they showed like the terrible Rochester skyline, but the best joke was edge saying, um, we just, we love Rochester. It's, we think it's so great that the camera was invented in a city with so many ugly people. And I just, <laughs> I was like, that was perfect heel work. I was like, excellent. I, <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. It was too funny. Um, so we can, and if you have an excellent heel joke, um, you should pass it along to us at bbillsmny on Twitter or bbillsmny at gmail.com or go to our facebook.com backslash bbillsmny. If you want to let Paul or Scott or I know who you think will win the triple threat match for the women's Raw tag team title uh, at WrestleMania this year on April 7th. Um, yep. we can, or if you have any good heel advice, Elias is always looking for new ideas. Yeah, no, he he's he's pretty funny. I hadn't. Okay, well, 
whatever. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to more <laughs> of our wrestling talk in the post show. Uh, if, you're, if you are, you know, one of our um, PayPal subscribers. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Pretty soon it's going to be eBay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can download it directly from eBay by pressing. <laughs> just go to eBay and press seven. <laughs> go to eBay and press seven. You will get all of our secret you'll recordings. Get, you'll get a you'll get a you'll get a transcript of of the podcast, including an upcoming screenplay with a with a name we cannot reveal. Uh, <laughs> you you have to press seven nine though to get the screenplay. Don't tell anybody. So it's like JR's line, Jim Ross's, you know, wrestling hotline, basically. <laughs> I remember they used to try. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I never called those. <laughs> I, I think about that now and I'm like, I would have done that. Like, I'm yep, so glad I there didn't. was no Internet. You had Jim Ross's wrestling hotline or Mean Gene's wrestling hotline. That's right. how you found out news. Two dollars a minute. Right. Just so yep. your parents could fucking kill you. For, <laughs> what are you what's this phone bill? <laughs> um. Yes. Well, I am deep into the wild roses alcohol, so I've got to I've got to end this podcast now. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. We will have another podcast in a couple of weeks. Certainly, a um, as the draft becomes more clear, uh, if, if the bills move up or down or or don't do anything, we'll have a draft preview podcast and 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 whatnot. Uh, one final episode before we start officially the next season of Maybe Next Year. Thank you so much for listening. We do really appreciate it. Uh, until then, have a great evening. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.